0: From Bayside Church International, Victor Harbor. This is Chad Mansbridge.
1: Um, it's a big week for us guys because, as well as the spring picnic, we also have soar worship on on Thursday. <laughs> Super exciting! They happen once a quarter, and this is our last one for the year. Um, always a great time to just connect with God, um, just to spend some time in worship. Leave your busy day, your busy week behind. So I just encourage you to come join us. It's 7.15 right here. Come in, let's worship together. Um, We'll just grab the buckets now. Hold on to them for a minute, but they're at your left. Um, Yeah, in a minute we'll just take up the offering. Um, Just our opportunity to give back, to live a generous life, um, and to financially let god work in this church and in our lives other people's lives as we further his kingdom um yeah so we'll take that offering up after i pray and then chad will come and deliver the word so we'll pray for him too lord we just thank you so much for this church family we have lord for opportunities to come together and worship you um during the week, Lord, for opportunities to gather together as a family and get to know each other on the weekends. Um, Lord, we just thank you for this financial giving we're going to take up, Lord. We just pray that you bless it, Lord, and you just keep using it to bless your kingdom, Lord, and to make your name known, God. And we just um, we just lift Chad up as he comes to pray, Lord, um, or comes up to preach. He'll probably pray, too. Um, and we just pray that you just anoint him, Lord, God. God, that he just speaks what you've got on his heart, Lord, um, and it's just delivered clearly and concisely like always, Lord. And we just thank you for such a wonderful pastor and his family. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Chad will come up, and you can just pass the bucket, so someone will be along to collect them.
0: Thanks, Aaron. Well, maybe I will pray now. Good morning. morning. Actually, I I do want to pray. I was having a uh, drink with a few mates um, at the pub on Friday night, as you do, and uh, chatting about one of life's annoying issues at this time of the year for a number of us, and it's allergies. (laughs) And someone asked me, have you... Ever heard of people having a, a miracle healing type of breakthrough in regard to allergies? And I said, No, I don't believe I have. And I was a bit slow off the mark, and I'm sure, uh, Don, you can relate to this after what you shared yeah. last week. And I thought, Well, maybe we need to change that. And so I haven't waited a whole two weeks like Uncle Don did with his word. Do I hear a sneeze? God bless you, Glenn. But um, why don't we go, why don't we just see if we can attack that this morning. If you, as I do, are a regular sufferer from um, allergens or allergies this time of the year, would you please stand to your feet? Good Lord. Now... I'd like us to say God bless you (laughs) and really mean it. Can we do that? If you uh, are able to touch a person's shoulder or maybe stretch your hand out, be brave enough to gather around somebody, let's reach our hands on these beautiful bodies. Lord, we're believing you for a breakthrough in an area that to my knowledge I haven't heard a testimony on but you are the God that does new things and in this season we decree a breakthrough in this area of allergies you have created us to exist on this planet and to enjoy your creation and so for these precious people we say over them they will have a successful spring season And that they will enjoy your creation like they never have before at this time of year. So we pray for their bodies, from the soles of their feet to the top of their head, their nervous system, their breathing, asthma, those who suffer from asthma, allergies of certain types of pollen and hay. We just say, Lord, this is a year where we breathe well. Okay, let's all breathe together. Come on. Ah. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. Amen. Remember, I uh, think we've shared this, shared this before, but I remember a preacher once highlighting uh, the way that God revealed his name in the Old Testament as Yahweh. And there's this, um, uh, yeah, how God had, he announced that there's four or five consonants there from the, in the Hebrew. And this particular four consonants, Y, V, H, V, Y, V... Okay, this is not going on the recording. Um, (laughs) But I remember a preacher once describing it, that that's the unpronounceable name. You know, the Hebrews or uh, the Jews, particularly by the first century, were so strict that they didn't even want to say God's name. They would write uh, like... They would blank out where they were writing his name so that they wouldn't blaspheme. But this preacher was saying that that name, Yahweh, is just like the sound of breathing. he is our breath he is the air we breathe there's a song like that in him we move and live and have our being and before any new ages got into the notion of deep breathing yeah that's our truth alright breathe him in deep and so for this spring season breathe deep amen amen good morning I only did that because Aaron said I had to pray. <laughs> um, if you, uh, I just want to echo Rob's words and welcome those of you who might be visiting with us today. If you don't know me, my name's Chad and uh, I do have the privilege of being part of the leadership here in this church and it's a real great delight to have you in our home this morning. Whatever it is that brings you here, you're in for a great day and it is my privilege to open the scriptures and share something with you today. I uh, began this last week... Kind of, we took a bit of a detour, but I'm going to start where I wanted to go last week and ask you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy, reading chapter 8. I read the whole chapter last week, so I won't do that again today. I'll just read, um, I top and tailed it, read the whole thing last week. I'll just read the main substance in the middle. And if you want to have some understanding of the historical context of this chapter, then you can listen to our podcast from last week. Reading Deuteronomy Uh, Chapter 8, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Verse 5, think about it. I like that. It's not too early, is it? You okay? Well, we didn't come to church to think, Chad. All right, sorry. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land of flowing streams with pools of water, fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It's a land of wheat and barley where you breathe well of grapevines, figs, trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. It's a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. As we say in preachers' circles, God was, in this point of history, was taking his people from the land of just enough to the land of more than enough. This was their destiny for them again. Listen, last week, but... When, verse 10, you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given to you. And that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not become full and prosperous. Uh, Hang on. You do not forget, sorry, the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time. Do not forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions when it was hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors, and he did so to humble and test you for your own good. He did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Remember the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you power to be successful. We're in the midst of a teaching series at the moment in the lead up to summer that we have simply called Set for Success. That's a good Bible word. During this series, we we'll be taking a look at some of the big issues of life where God has set us up for a win, where God has set us up to succeed, where God desires us to succeed, where he empowers us to succeed and instructs us how to walk and follow his processes so that we may enjoy that success that he has in store from us or for us in the hope that we will walk confident into summer Confident in his goodness and courageous to embrace his wisdom and make honourable decisions and fruit-bearing choices in our life. We spent, spent the first Sunday doing my best to convince you from the scriptures that God is a good parent and as all good parents, he wants to set his kids up to do well. Even those of us who are ordinary parents, Jesus used another word, I won't use that, but even though we are ordinary parents compared to him, how many of you know, we as parents want to do our best to set our kids up to succeed. God, all the way through the scriptures, this paints this picture of himself having a, putting his hands to work for us, having a head that is wiser than ours, and having a heart that is for us, who wants us to succeed. Last week, I took a last-minute detour and looked spontaneously at a subject. I wasn't planning on doing so, but I looked at the subject of our speech. And how look, we looked at how powerful our speech can be and how God has set us up with the power to do well with our speech. And so we looked at that last week. Today, I want to focus on another hugely significant area of life. It is an area of life that affects all of us most every single day. Rob and I sat down with some politicians on Friday a small gathering of pastors, and we met with a federal senator uh, based here in Adelaide and uh, some of his um, running mates who will be going up in the state election, uh, which I think is due for March next year, and uh, they were discussing some of their policies and values and that type of thing, and then they said, "What, as pastors, what is it that you're encountering is the most important thing to the constituents in this, in this area? What is on people's minds? And the answer... Uh, that most of us gave first up would not surprise many of you but it had to do with issues around cost of living, uh, electricity prices, etc, etc because the fact of the matter is and particularly so as we lead into the summer season, into Christmas, what some people call the silly season, our financial life is something that most all of us think about every single day. It is a major issue in life today i want to look at the realm of finances and i'm going to be upfront with you and just tell you where i'm going from the start like a good train driver this is the train you're on and this is where we're going we've got five stops today today i want to encourage you when it comes to the realm of finances to source it ethically to steward it faithfully To spend it wisely, to save it strategically, intentionally, and to sow it generously. When it comes to the realm of finances, source it ethically. Oh, go back, mate. Source it ethically, steward it faithfully, spend it wisely, save it strategically, and sow it generously. I speak on this subject today knowing that even in this room, and this is not even considering the many people that are listening to this recording in different countries, in many different contexts around the world, I'm speaking to a very broad range of people. This is a massive subject. The scripture, of course, has a lot to say on it because it is so important to our life and because the Bible was written by Jews. So, you know, it, it works. They, this is really important to that culture. And, um, and also, I know I'm speaking to a very broad audience, so I'm going to be as broad as I can. I've structured this this way in the hope that, well, first of all, as I've been working on this, I realised this could be a five-week series. So I hope you're comfortable. No, I'm, not, no, I'm not, not doing it all today. But I also want to share, as we do every Sunday, is share something simply in a way that even if some of these things are not particularly... Um, No, I want to put it that way. Even if you struggle to listen to advice given by someone who is half your age and in a very different life situation to where you're at, nevertheless, we do not just come to church to hear advice that's good for me. We come here to be equipped in the scripture so that we can also help others. So I hope that even though while I'm speaking to a very broad range of people in very different socioeconomic situations and cross-sections and ages groups and everything, all of us can leave today with God's eternal wisdom that will either be incredibly helpful to you or help you to help others. Because that is a major part of my job as a preacher and I take that very seriously. I hope you do too. Dad, we thank you for today. As best we know how, we open our hearts and our minds to you. We sit at the feet of the great teacher today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We set you, King Jesus, as the Lord of our heart. We set you as the focus of our attention. And we pray that you would speak to us, empower and equip us today with your supernatural wisdom. And so as best we know how, we say, Lord, speak, for your servants are listening. Anyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Let's go. Five points. And then we're done in Chad fashion. Obviously, they all start with the same letter. Number one, I want to encourage you, my first piece of advice today is to source it ethically. Going back to Deuteronomy, that verse Chapter 8, verse 18, in the New Living Translation, it says, God has empowered you to live a successful life. But in most translations, it says this, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. It's not just success in a general term. There is a specific element here, Deuteronomy eight eighteen, where it says, he is the one who gives you the ability to... To produce wealth. As we understand the story of God's people, when they were in the desert for those 40 years after Egypt, God treated them like babies. Every day he just met their needs. Even when they didn't ask for it. Even when they whinged and they whined and they murmured and they complained. Like a crying, whinging, ungrateful baby. I just fed you and it's 3 o'clock and you're waking up and whinging again because you're hungry. That's what babies do and that's what God's people in the desert were like and yet God every day faithfully fed them manna, fed them from heaven. But part of the growing up process, 40 years later, as he's now sending them into their own uh, promised land, he is not going to be meeting their needs every day by simply dropping food from the sky. He says, I've empowered you to produce wealth. i have empowering you to produce wealth. So I'm going to, I've set you up to succeed. You're going to take over vineyards. You're going to take over cities. You've got a good land. I've done all that's in my power to set you up to succeed, but you're going to, power, you're going to cooperate and partner with me. I, Deuteronomy 8.18, have given you the power to produce wealth. And this, he says, confirms the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes in the New Testament to the New Testament community and he says this, Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. How many of you think that's good advice? Yeah. All right, But must work, doing something useful with their own hands so that they may have something to share with those who In need, not enough. Just to say, "Thou shalt not steal." Thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt work that thou shalt share. King James, uh, I'm sure, brings it up. And as I mentioned before, somewhat jokingly, but it's but it's true. And I say this with all with all respect. The Hebrew people or Jewish people are known worldwide for their business acumen, for their entrepreneurial. They're ethical entrepreneurship. And I personally want to be a part of a community where ethical entrepreneurship is highly encouraged. And I wonder if the Jewish people have developed that reputation because for centuries they have had God's wisdom in this area at their disposal. The book of Proverbs, which as many of you know was written to essentially collated from King Solomon, a very wealthy man. Written to his sons, has a lot of wisdom, and about financial dealings, and constantly emphasizes good ethics when it comes to sourcing finance. Here's a few examples: Proverbs 11 verse 1, Proverbs 11 1. The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favour with him. Or accurate weights are his delight. Proverbs sixteen eight. better is a little with righteousness than great income because of injustice by ripping others off basically. Better is a little done righteously than great income with injustice. Proverbs 21, 6, wealth created by a lying tongue is a vanishing mist and a deadly trap. Wealth created by a lying tongue is a deadly trap. And of course, the book of Proverbs finishes, and I can't read all of this today, but it finishes with chapter 31. Again, advice written to a son, which tells the beautiful story of an entrepreneurial woman. Come on, this should be one of your favourite chapters in the Bible said this is, it. Solomon's writing to his son, or actually the queen is writing to her son in this last chapter, and she says, this is the kind of woman, mate, that I want you to keep your eye out for. And this is the kind of man you need to be to get her. And in Proverbs 31, we see this wonderful picture of an enterprising, entrepreneurial, income-generating person who is buying property, selling goods, respected in the marketplace, looking after her family and being generous to the poor. As for me, I want to be part of a community with a culture that encourages excellence and ethics in entrepreneurship. And I'm glad, I mean, even this week chatting with a couple who just this week are taking steps in their business with entrepreneurship and generating more income and the fact is God has no issue with us sourcing finances and the more the merrier when done ethically and pursuing excellence God has no issue with us sourcing finance and entrepreneurship should be something that is applauded the fact is this church only exists because a 23-year-old couple 15 years ago were entrepreneurial in taking a risk to see something that was not become something that now is. The fact is we are only meeting in this building today because eight or nine years ago a group of people pioneered, put their hands in their pockets, took a risk to make something for other people to enjoy and somewhere out there there are funds for us to source that we haven't tapped into yet. There's a proverb, 13 verse 22, that says God stores up sinners' wealth for the righteous. Somewhere there is wealth stored for you that God wants you to tap into. And I pray more and more that creative ideas, entrepreneurial enterprises will arise in the Christian church as we source the income that God has making available to us and do so with ethics and do so with excellence. Amen. So listen, when it comes to finance, source it creatively. Source it consistently. Source it courageously. But please, source it ethically. And if anyone agreed, you can say that's the first part of advice. Number two. What's number two? Steward it faithfully. Steward it. Is it stew or stew? Steward, Steward it faithfully. In Luke 16, when Jesus taught on finance, uh, one of the many times Jesus recorded speaking on finance, Luke 16, in verse 11 he says this, if you've not been If you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be entrusted with things of your own? Being faithful in stewardship. The whole idea of stewardship is that you are made responsible for something that belongs to someone else. That's what stewardship's about. Stewardship is about having something in your possession that doesn't belong to you. It's about having something in your possession that's not your possession. Does that make sense? Stewardship is about having something in your possession that's not your possession. It belongs to someone else. And faithful stewardship is about taking that which is not yours and doing what the owner wishes with it for example this week i go to damo's coffee shop an entrepreneurial uh, exercise this year new business so i want to go support new local business of course and uh, they do great coffee so i go to damo's coffee shop and uh, there are like 15 people filling up his little shop there and he's a bit flustered but as you all know when you look for a restaurant or a cafe to go to you go to the busy ones don't you, okay? Even if they're a bit flustered, a little bit rude, that's fine. It means good quality. <laughs> I heard that from a Chinese preacher once. He said, you want advice on going to a Chinese restaurant? You want the staff to be a little bit rude. Because <laughs> they're too busy <laughs> to be nice. <laughs> uh, that means there's good food there. Um, so I go to, to Damo's and I say, mate, you look a bit stressed. The shop's full, this is great. And he says, mate, I haven't had any time to get out today. I've run out of milk. Do you mind doing me a favour? I said, sure. He hands me a $20 note. Doesn't he? Hand me a $20 note. You do, to Give me a $20 note. Okay. He hands me a $20 note and he says, Chad, go and buy t- uh, 10 litres of milk for me down the shops. So I go down the shops and I had that $20 in my hand. How many of you know that $20... Oh, you've missed the moment now, man. Forget it. <laughs> How many of you know, he gives me that 20 bucks to go buy him some milk. He's taken it out of his till. I go down to Veg Out or wherever I go to buy milk. This money is not mine. Okay? I am stewarding it for somebody else. It belongs to Damo. So my responsibility as a faithful steward is to take that which is not mine and do what the master wants me to do with it, which is to buy milk for his shop. If I was to walk out of that shop and go, oh, 20 bucks, I'll go buy my coffee somewhere else this morning. Five of them, you know. No, that would be unfaithful as a steward. I take what is his and I do what he wants with it. And unfortunately, of course, I do that because I'm a faithful steward. I come back, I buy him uh, 10 litres of milk and he shouts me a coffee. Thanks, Damo. (laughs) It goes so well that Damo says, you know what? I want to start opening chat on a Tuesday and I know you're a pastor. You only work one day a week. So do you want to work for me? and open the shop for me on a Tuesday. He said, I'll, I'll pay you 30 bucks an hour, six hours, It's $180, bucks. i will leave it in the top drawer for you when you come in. I said, no problems at all, mate. Rock up there on the Tuesday, gives me the code, I open up the shop, I open the drawer, and there's an envelope there with $200 in it, and a note. Chad, here's your, inc- here's your salary for the day, $180, and I've left you an extra 20 because you'll need to buy milk today, For my customers. (laughs) After a while, of course, I'm there week after week. I'm working there on a Tuesday. I'm pocketing my $180. And then I start to realise, you know what? He's leaving me $200. Maybe I'll start to pocket the $200. Because after all, that's what he's left me. What happens? We start running out of milk. The business begins to suffer because not everyone's silly enough to have short blacks, Rob. And after a while, Damo realises there's something not quite right. My shop is not doing as well as what it could have. And it's because I was taking that 20 that he'd left not for me to do what I wanted with. 180 was mine. But that 20 was specifically for milk so that the shop would function really well. In other words, as I opened that drawer and I found $200 week after week after week, I learnt the lesson that of that 200 that he was entrusting me with or leaving me with, a tenth of it 20 dollars of it was not mine it wasn't mine to do with what i wanted of that 200 there was always 20 that was there for milk to invest back into the shop that is good stewardship being faithful with somebody else's property and so in the story of israel this is how god introduces the concept to his people of Offerings such as the first fruit offerings and of tithing. There is a difference between them. I obviously don't have time. We've got five things to get through today. Don't have time to go through them all. But this is how God introduces the subject of tithing. Tithing is not a theological word. It's a mathematical word. (laughs) Okay. It just means tenthing. It means the tenth. He says to them in Leviticus uh, chapter twenty-seven, thirty. He said one tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord and it must be set apart to him for a special reason, as holy. To be holy means set apart for a special purpose or a special plan. Okay, God says this to Israel, this is part of their economy. He says, I want you to recognise that of everything that comes to you, of that $200 that's in the drawer, okay, as you work for me and you partner with me, of everything I bring to you, he said, I want you to recognise that a tenth of it doesn't belong to you. A tenth of it belongs to me, and I have a special purpose in mind for that. Through the history and the narrative of the scriptures, we see this practice, practiced by the patriarchs, by instinct. God never commanded Abraham and Jacob to tie that's something that they did naturally and voluntarily when they realized who God was. Under Moses, people did it by instruction, that money was used to support the priests, and when they built a temple, it was used for them to eat together. They would come, the farmers would come to the temple. Once every year, they'd bring a tithe, and they'd actually, in the temple, eat their produce with the priests and the poor. So it actually supported community worship for those people. So over time, as the tabernacle turned into the temple and things changed, the way it was spent did change slightly but at the end of the day, it was all about supporting God's house and the, the sense of community worship that God's house would be healthy because you can run a cafe without milk. But it's not going to be as healthy. It's not going to be as whole as a cafe that has a constant supply of milk in the fridge because we are faithful with what the Master has asked us to do. And so this is where, um, towards the history in God's people in in Israel, God says to them in the book of Malachi, he says, chapter 3, verse 10, bring all the tithes into my storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do this, says the Lord, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it all in. Try it. Put me to the test. Isn't that interesting phrase? Try it. Put me to the test. The point number two today is simply this. When it comes to finance, not every dollar in our possession is our possession. And we are to steward what belongs to God, like I would with Damo's $20, we are to steward that faithfully because the fact is we are to steward money and serve God not the other way around. I'm going to say that again. We are to steward money. Stewarding money is about doing something, placing it where it's going to be good. I'm going to take this, I'm going to put it there, I'm going to take this, I'm going to put it there. Stewarding money and we serve God, not the other way around. Where we serve money and do what he says and we take God and put him to work. Here God, I'll take you in my hand and I'll put you over there today. God is not a tool in our hand. Okay? We serve God and we steward finance and that is the way, one of the ways, we are to approach our financial life. I am grateful for me that this was a lesson that I learnt quite young in life. I've effectively, and I'll just say this up front, I've been tithing my entire adult life. So I'll say that in case some of you have a little nickel in the back of your mind. I've tithed, i believed in tithing well before I was a pastor. Okay. Started tithing when I was about 18. I was living on youth allowance. Some of you remember what that is. It's, I think it later became OS Study. I was living in a boarding house. I was at university. I think I was getting about 200 to 250 bucks a fortnight in uh, 19 in the late 90s, and uh, of that, let's say 100, just over 100 bucks a week, I learnt the discipline then of saying, Lord, not everything that comes to me belongs to me, I'm going to honour you first, on a pretty low income, just over 100 bucks a week. Fast forward just three years, um, I'm married to a university student who's graduating, we've just had a kid it's 2001, 2002, that financial year, so it's only about three or four years down the track. My uni degree wasn't worth anything. It was a, basically a Bachelor of Arts, which, which is BA, which you also know what that stands for. Not much. You know, it's What is it worth? BA, OK. I'll tell you later. Uh, BA. So I got into retail, and that year, just three years after... Uni, I was on my way to grossing about $57,000 for that financial year because I was in sales, I was getting good commission, I was doing acting on the side. So I went within a few, a few years from earning just over 100 bucks a week to grossing just over $1,000 a week. Um, at the time, I didn't realise this until I looked through my tax return and Googled it last weekend, but I was earning 24% above the national average today. there would be around about $100,000 income uh, as a 23-year-old. Wish I knew what I actually had back then. <laughs> but my point is, because I, I, what I didn't know is the lessons of saving, which I'll get to next. But I am glad that I learnt to be faithful and trust God with my finances at $100 a week. Because by the time I was earning over $1,000 a week, I'd already managed and dealt with that in my heart. And so at the end of that, or toward the end of that financial year, knowing that, Lord, I can trust you with 100 bucks a week, I can trust you with $1,000 a week, when God spoke to us and said, quit your job, quit acting, quit working for a mobile phone company I was working for and do a full-time, for three months, church leadership course because I want you to plan a church soon. We could trust him to do that. And it was that year that we quit our job, Three months went into study. Planted and pioneered a church. Our income took a significant dive, about 40-something percent in that next financial year dive. But I'm glad I learnt the lessons of trusting him from that age. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter what stage of life, you can always start trusting God in greater ways today. A little bit like exercise, a little bit like eating healthy. Don't look back and go, gee, I wish I'd started like Chad when I was 18. You can go, well, you know what? I can start something today. So, number one, when it comes to finances, source it ethically. And number two, steward it faithfully. And anyone who agreed with that said... And I'm keeping that 20 bucks. <laughs> Ethics <laughs> I'll shout you all the coffee. Uh, okay okay there you go you can pay it forward at your shop this week for someone all right point number three i think i'll move a bit quicker because you can tell this this we could go into a lot of detail here point number three spend it wisely what do we do with money we spend it wisely the fact is we spend money almost every single day simply getting here this morning most of you spent money you started a car you had breakfast before you came maybe you had a coffee or two when we got here this morning we turned on the lights we we started spending money chick there it goes Oh god don't even think about it so we are we are spending money all the time and spending money wisely is a really important thing i want to leave you with three keys that i can't go into detail in but here's my advice to you today number one when it comes to spending money do so with a heart that is content with a head that is considered, that means you think about it, and with hands that are controlled. Many financial issues would be avoided if we spent money from a place where our heart was content, where our head was considered, thoughtful, and where our hands are controlled. It always starts in the heart because, simply put, the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. At the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. And make no mistake, spending money can be strongly attached to our emotions. The scripture knows this, which is why it encourages not to love money, because it knows it's possible for us to be emotionally attached to money and spending. And I'll tell you who else knows this. Advertisers. Advertisers know that there is a strong emotional connection to spending money. Psychologists say that oftentimes when we, uh, when we spend money, particularly in retail situation, we get the same endorphin hit that we do when we have a, have a win in something. Or when we view, for, for some of us, when we view pornography. Or when we take drugs. That same better endorphin hit can happen when we spend money, which is why it is possible to be addicted to spending. After wedding crashes, I was a fisher, went out and made a movie called Confessions of a Shopaholic. They exist. Okay, shopaholics exist, and part of it is because of that emotional connection to, boom, spending money. Some of you know that... Generally, ladies, although I don't want to be too gender biased, but with how many of you heard the phrase, "You know what you need, darling? You need some retail therapy." Just retail therapy, that'll make you feel better. Just go out and spend some money. All right, there is physiology behind that, which is why it's so important, one of the reasons it's so important to have Christ as the anchor for our soul, as the anchor for our emotions. We are content in Him. We are satisfied in Him. Our identity is rooted in Him. I am fulfilled in Him. So even though I can experience from time to time physiological endorphins that go off in my mind, I do not bank on that for my feel-good life experience. My life experience is rooted. The anchor for my soul is in Christ. And so Paul can say, I've been everywhere, man. I've done everything. I've been rich. I've been poor. I've had plenty I've had in want, but I've learned a secret. And the secret is being content because I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The very notion that I have Christ with me 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, means I can live content. Our security, our significance and satisfaction must be found in Christ. And that's why we don't get up in this pulpit and preach on finance every week. And yet we are doing quite well financially as a church. Businesses are growing. I asked the other week how many people have changed employment. People stood up all over the place. That is doing well. Why? Because our focus is not preaching money. Our focus is preaching the person of Jesus. And as we encounter and we know Christ, we are not easily manipulated. Because there are manipulators who are after you these next few weeks. Years ago, I got a whole um, a Woolies bag, a shopping bag, full of the junk mail that we'd received in our letterbox in the month of December, poured it out over the floor. We don't, we don't do junk mail anymore, but uh, no offence to Joyce and her team, but, uh, but poured, <laughs> poured junk mail out on the floor. People are after your money and they'll use manipulation to get it if your heart is not content. If your the, the soul, your emotions, your soul and emotional health is not found in the things you buy and advertisers know this. Number two, with a head that is considered. I, I don't have time to look into that other than simply to say, think clearly about how you spend. One of, the, one of the few TV shows I enjoy every week and that I watch with my kids, even though it is M-rated and it's targeted at adults, is the Gruen show on ABC because I want my kids to be educated on how advertising works. I want them to think and be aware of how advertising works, of how spending money we need to think about, how we do that. And lastly, to spend, in spending money, do so with hands that are controlled. I love this, this proverb, 25 verse 28. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight says, A person without self-control is like a city whose walls have been broken down. So obviously it's written in a context where a city has walls to protect it. The city's walls are there so that they can have gates, so that the leaders of the town, like the Proverbs 31 woman and her husband, they sit there at the gates and what comes in, they know everything that's coming in and they know everything that's going out. They know everything that's coming in and they know everything that's going out because they go through the gates. Now what happens when that city has broken down walls? You don't know where it's going out. It could be going out anywhere. Looters. Even, even uh, well-intentioned people taking money out. You've got no idea where that's going. And a person without self-control is like a city whose walls are broken down and you just don't know what's going on. One big lesson in this. Number one. Obviously, and you you take this, you advise other people about this, control your hands. You are in control of your spending. So set a budget and stick to it, lesson number one. And lesson number two, make sure it is your hands that are taking money out of your city, not other people. And this is especially important in the era of automated payments. This is why every now and again, as convenient as they are, we need to do an audit on some of our regular spending habits. People in Australia, I don't have the statistics, but once they sign up to a bank, they very, very seldom ever leave because it's just too much hassle. And yet all it takes is every few years do a bit of an audit on your interest rates and your fees and shifting banks might save you thousands because there's just money regularly going out that you are not taking control of. I have an account with a mobile phone company. I was on a $70 a month plan. Four months ago, I rang them up because I thought my two years had come to an end and I wanted to ask about some things. And they say, oh yeah, you're out of contract four or five months ago. I'm like, oh great, what does that mean? Well, it means you can move down to $40 a month and get more stuff. <laughs> more da- way more data. Way more stuff. For almost half the price, I'm like you. I've been. When could I have done? It? Oh, four months ago you could have done. Oh, you didn't tell me. No, no, we don't tell you that. <laughs> so audit your automated expenses because you might have money going out that is beyond your control. Take hold of your spending. All right, it's your money. You're in control of it. Spend it with controlled hands and make sure other people aren't dipping in that good advice? Spend it wisely with a heart that is content, a head that's considered, and hands that are controlled. Number four. Because it's Christmas and because of the nature of today, I am just going to do this one briefly and maybe we'll do some more on this next year. Finances. Source it ethically. Steward it faithfully. Spend it wisely. Number four. Save it. Strategically, deliberately, intentionally, thoughtfully, regularly, consistently, consultatively. Save money strategically. Three big areas of saving money. Number one is for sizeable purchases, number two is for security, and number three is for your successes. There's a proverb that says a wise man or a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Saving money for your successes to set them up for a win. Won't go any time into that today. Saving money, number two, for security. Investments, be it property, obviously your own home, or other areas of investments, like Joseph who stored the wealth of Egypt in the good years knowing, for security, for the future. Proverbs 6 talks about admiring the ant who stores in one part of the year so that he makes sure when a different season comes he's got what he needs at that time. Again, don't have time to go into that today other than to say in my early adult years that is my biggest regret. That I didn't have an... Someone sit me down when I'm earning 24% above the national average income and saying, Chad, you need to be a regular saver. I learned as a kid about saving for sizeable purchases. In fact, my parents did do well in this. They taught me to save. I was at my nana's house, who would have been 80-something at the time, and I was like seven or something, okay? All the uncles and aunties were there and... And uh, we'd had a big day and I'd found a, a dollar or 20 cents or something down the side of Nana's couch. And so, of course, you know, finders keepers, it's mine, right? My pop sits me on his lap and he says, son, you could go down and you could spend that because I wanted to buy AFL um, bubblegum cards, okay? It was the 80s, so I wanted to buy some AFL cards. And pop says, you know, you could go and spend it at the corner shop or you could save it, put it into a jar because when you save money, it grows. I'm like, all right, pop, I'll trust you. I put money into a jar and I went and had a nap. When I woke up, that jar was like half full of money. It was amazing. I, I don't know how much I'd earned, but I, just by sleeping, I, by saving, that it just grew. It was like this magic jar. My family taught me something of the value of saving. And of course, at that age, all it meant was I could buy more bubble gum. Um, so, but sa- saving for uh, sizable purchases, and possibly that's the only thing I will emphasise today in light of Christmas, that the best way to buy something interest-free is by saving for it first and using your own money. Okay? Because all those terms, for a generation particularly younger than mine, you don't think about it. So saving money for sizeable purchases is a wise thing to do. And psychologists have actually said, this is interesting, it gets back to the endorphins thing. When people buy something, they've done tests on people's brains. When people buy something with their own cash, they don't enjoy it as much as when they use a credit card. So there is a physiological hit that we get when we spend money that's not ours or that one day I'll do it. But when you've saved and you're parting with your own money, suddenly you start to consider whether this is worth spending my money on. And for some of us, that's enough to rob the joy of, 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 uh, of spending money. Maybe that's a good thing. okay? Because we, again, we are wired to have that hit and that comes when we spend money on credit and that's how people often get themselves into trouble. So sometimes our physiology, our biology actually acts against us which is why we need God's wisdom. Save it for sizable purchases. Way more I could say about that and I'm sure those of you, I'm, I'm glad I'm seeing with grey heads nodding on this bit going, yes, young people, listen, be a good saver. Save strategically. The last thing, source it ethically, steward it faithfully, spend it wisely, save it strategically. Lastly, I want to encourage you to sow it generously. To sow finance generously. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. Think about it. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Here we go. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things... I'm going to do a preacher thing right now, okay? Say all things at all times. Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Not just some good works, but every good work. I'm going somewhere with this. As it is written, they have freely given their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. They have freely given their gifts. And something else that they have endures forever. Coming back to that. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Do it again. Come on, say. Every way. (laughs) So that you can be generous on every occasion And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service you perform is not only supplying needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Very quick point, many of you have heard this. First of all, we go, God supplies bread for the eater. How many of you are eaters? How many of you are eaters? All right, come on. God supplies bread to the eater, and he provides seed to the... Sower. How many of you are sowers? Well, those of you who are sowers are the ones who give seed to. So be a sower. Be a sower. The second thing, the main thing I wanted to pull out of this passage was this. There is a link between generosity with finance, sowing generously, and and between that and between abundance in every area of life. There is a connection between being generous with finance and abounding in every good work. Here's the point, preacher. It's a difference between storing seeds and sowing seeds. If you have apple seeds, very basic. All right, kids, very basic. If you have apple seeds and you save them like Joseph did in the end of Genesis... If you save seeds, in the future, what do you have? Seeds. And saving's a good thing. And if you put it in the magic jar, you have more seeds, okay? We learnt that lesson. If you sow seeds, what do you end up with? Seeds. And trees. And fruit. And a home for birds. And shade. And some beauty for an artist. And a branch for a swing for your child. Etc. 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 So storing seeds, yes, is projecting into the future. You will have seeds. Sowing the same seeds results again into the future, but it abounds in more work than just in more goodness than just that. That makes sense. So Paul's encouraging these people. Listen, be generous in giving your finances because as you're generous, it's not just producing. Food for people, financial food for people, it's producing thanksgiving to God. It's resulting in the gospel being preached. It's resulting in God being glorified and honoured. It's, 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 it's resulting in other things. So there is a difference between storing and sowing. Both put the benefits of money into the future, but sowing produces more than just more seed. Does that kind of make any... Have I made any... any you're just thinking about my magic jar aren't you my interest producing jar philippians 4 paul writes to one of these churches that was very generous in this whole history here and he says i don't as i'm asking you to please give to these poor people in jerusalem to share with them i'm not doing this for their sake and as i'm asking you to provide for me as i'm preaching around the world i'm not doing that for my sake He said, I'm asking you to be generous because I've got this thought in my mind. Something is going to be credited to your account. Philippians 4.17 I'm interested in what is going to be credited to your account. By sowing generously with your funds, I'm interested to see what kind of tree will grow from that and the benefits that you will enjoy and that many others will enjoy because of that sowing seed. What's your point, preacher? Preacher particularly this Christmas, please remember to sow generously. Please remember to share with those in need. Don't give money away. Don't give money away. Invest money into good soil, believing, having faith, with the intention that that sowed seed is going to produce a harvest, some of which I may never ever see this side of eternity. But I'm doing so not just giving it away, I'm sowing seed deliberately and generously into lives of people expecting a harvest that is far more than just financial. And I'm hoping as we get closer to Christmas, this quarter, particularly for us, We have a special focus on our giving. If you buy coffee today, proceeds of that will go to mercy ships, helping people in the third world context, specifically in Africa. And as we get close to Christmas, we'll have other opportunities to sow generously into that area. Many of you give and sow into other areas. Please remember over this Christmas season to sow generously. The point of today is this God is a good father. Who sets his kids up for success in every area of life? One of those major ones has to do with our financial health and financial lives. And on one hand, the pastoral side of me, which I do have from time to time, the pastoral side of me says this please, over this summer season, be careful. Be careful. With the way you spend. Be careful with your stewardship. Be careful and intentional with your saving. Please be careful. And the prophetic side of me wants to say over this season, please be courageous. Don't just be cautious, be courageous. Be adventurous. Because more and more there is a bigger world, more people for us to reach more and more next year literally week after week i'm believing that we're going to reach th- multiple thousands of people around the world as we increase our global media outreach that is important to us like abraham i've given you he said the, the ability to create wealth so that i can confirm my covenant that i'll bless you and you'll be a blessing to nations that's important to me it's important to me. I want, I want to be translated into more languages next year. I haven't shown you yet, but I have my book in Chinese now. Did you know that we're selling on mainland China that resources from this church are in the hands of mainland Chinese pastors? I want more of that next year. Here in this local community, I want to see more. We've got more people struggling in this in this area never before. I want more volunteers in our Friday night food run. I want to reach more families with practical things. I want to hear testimonies of broken families that are coming together. It was great to hear one a couple of weeks ago. What is better than hearing one of them? Hearing four of them. What's better than having one person baptised or having ten of them? What's, ha- what's better than having one person respond to Christ and put out their hand and say, oh, I want to see? Well, having a hundred of them. That's what's better. Okay? So I want to see more and more. So the, 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 the pastoral side of me says, over Christmas, please be cautious. And the prophetic side of me says, as we move into summer, please be courageous. And let's use finance for what God has given it to us for. It is a tool in our hand, one of the many tools that we have to advance His kingdom and to make a difference for all eternity. When it comes to your financial life, source it ethically. Be creative. Be entrepreneurial. I love it. Source it ethically. Steward it faithfully. No matter where you're at, begin now. Steward it faithfully. Spend it wisely. Save it strategically. And sow it generously. Has that been helpful to anyone today? I hope so. All right. How about you put your hand on your heart. <laughs> um, I'm going to pray for you, and then you're going to pray for someone else. Okay, so you first, get you out of the way, and then we'll get on to someone else. Um, Dad, I thank you for this word that I've received today. And Holy Spirit, in the broad brushstroke of truth that you've revealed, is there one takeaway for me that you want me to embrace and to accept and to follow up today? Do I need to make a decision? I hear your voice, Lord, and I say yes. Yes. Lord, I also pray that this you would use these truths today and you would empower me to help others with them. Right now, just trust Holy Spirit to put someone on your mind or someone in your heart. Perhaps finances is a struggle for them. Perhaps they're earning lots of money and you're seeing them do it unwisely. There's someone, Holy Spirit, just drop in my heart, drop in my mind that I can share your wisdom with. Lord, Give me that opportunity to share with them. Father, for those here and those listening and those we know that we're even thinking of who need a significant breakthrough in financial struggle and the struggle of finances that they're in, Lord, we thank you this morning things change. Come on, we prayed for hay fever before, <laughs> right now. We pray for those who are struggling financially and we declare the strong hand of God, the strong voice of God. The generosity of God to be displayed. Lord, right now I pray that you release strategy, creative entrepreneurship, creative ideas. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a good witness and a testimony to others of your wisdom in this very important area of life. We thank you that you gave your all for us. How will he, who did not spare his own son, but but gladly gave him up for us all, how will he not also give us everything that we need we thank you for your indescribable gift for God so loved the world that he gave and we are so grateful for that today holy close this off I think I've run out I've run out
2: your turn he said he's run out I don't think he's run out I think it's just refilling we've probably seen an example of of all of this in our message in the sense that the emotional and spiritual energy that was spent here today, it was sourced ethically. What Chad shared with us, he stewards his spiritual life and who he is and that we, just, we just see the ethics in that. He spends really well of who he is and he saves up he's pretty strategic it doesn't always all come at once but when it comes out it's really generous you know we all need to really just grab hold of this and go into today and take some time and and think about it have a really good think about it have a really good think about it and there's a real challenge on on the underlying thing of of ensuring that the work of God is done well and the work of God needs money to do it. You say, well, I'll just pray. Well, you, someone else might be praying and you might be the one who's going to release. <laughs> I'll just pray. Yeah, that, that's a, a good cop out, um, especially if you're not prepared to put your hand in your pocket as well. I, um, I, I do know a few things and I am I just want to say this. That in this issue of tithing, Bill Hybels, who you might know that name, made this point when he was talking about this subject: that if every person in a church ties, that church has all the finances it needs to do what God called that church to do. A good saying. It's a whole investigation on its own. So, folks, why don't you stand? Come to your feet. And just stand in appreciation of this awesome, wonderful God who opens the storehouse of heaven and pours into our lives everything we need and beyond. Sometimes we don't think we have, but at the end of the day, we have a God who loves us, who's forgiven us, gives us life and hope and a future. And, you know, I, this is not me just saying stuff. I'm old enough to have been through lots of stuff in life and had to, had to deal with everything. There's not much I haven't dealt with. And you still do it. So Holy Spirit, come. Open heaven over our lives and let your glory and your goodness flow into our hearts in a way that we know that you've got us, Lord that you've got us and you won't let us go. And when we're struggling, you're with us and you won't let us go and you will get us to the other end of it. When things aren't working for us, Lord, you're there with us. You're a God who doesn't stand aside from us and just let us go on our own. So open heaven, Lord, and bring a deep sense of your presence and your leading. Father God, you are so generous. Then Lord, let your generosity flow into into our lives and our beings and through us into a community in Jesus' name.
0: This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.